Uh, The scripture this morning is from Luke chapter 1, 26 through 38. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who will be called barren, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we come into your presence now, Lord, as we continue to worship you. Um, Would you help us to to let our guards down? Would you help us to be here and be fully present with you? Would you help us to lay down all the things that Reagan talked about in the call to worship, Lord? Would you um, help us to lay down our to-do lists? Lord, to just give that to you, to give our concerns, our worries, our anxieties, maybe about going home or having people here or whatever is going on, finishing up things at work. Lord, would you allow us to be fully present here? Um, Would you keep your promise? And we thank you in advance for doing so because you're always faithful, that your word never returns void. You are always uh, into finishing the, the good work that you have begun in all of us. And so, Lord, we give you our hearts. We give you ourselves. May we just sit um, with very open hearts and minds to the movement of your spirit through your word and to hear what you have to say to us as a body, but also to each one of us as individual people who you love very much. And ask that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so um, how many of y'all have seen King Richard? Yeah, Uh, we watched that this weekend and I I don't know if I can really spoil it because it's a true story that's happened already. So um, I'm going to try not to spoil the movie, but uh, basically it's it's the story of Venus and Serena Williams' father, uh, Richard, who uh, they grew up in Compton, and um, he he's famous for having this plan. It's like I think he said it was like a 78-page plan that he wrote about how they were going to become the greatest tennis players of all time. And so starting when they were very young, even still in the womb, he was having these thoughts. Um, he was working the plan. And so the, the story, um, and just a caveat here, I'm not endorsing Richard. I don't know. This was obviously a movie. So um, this is, I'm talking about the movie version of Richard here. But um, so, so you see throughout this movie that um, he, is just, he is just moving and working against all these different forces in his life that would push against the plan and push against what he's trying to do. And really, the, the most redeeming version of what he's trying to do is he is trying to grow and protect something good and beautiful in these daughters that he has. 
Um, so he is, he is in a very um, tough neighborhood, and you just see him, the, the way they portray it in the movie is he is fighting against neighbors, he's fighting against uh, law enforcement, he's fighting against gangbangers, he's fighting against poverty, he's fighting against expectations and, and uh, the status quo and all of these things and just the inertia of being in, in this hard place where he's having to work at night and he's having to um, provide for his family and he is just constantly fighting it feels like on all sides to to birth this this good and beautiful thing that he has this dream that he has for his daughters and for his family and um, and that's that's what we're talking about today in this passage is um, the Lord is is coming and he is doing his good work in us and through us and and it is going to involve suffering. It is going to involve suffering because there are so many forces of opposition working in all these different angles against what he is doing, against his kingdom coming, against his king coming into the world and into, into us and through us. Um, and so this, uh, this sermon series for Advent, we've called it this year, Let Every Heart Prepare Him Room. And it's this idea that, you know, what Advent means is just coming. It's that uh, we as Christians are an adventing people. We are always waiting. We are always awaiting expectantly Jesus' coming. And so for Christmas and the Christmas season, we are remembering, uh, awaiting his first coming, his, him being born into this world um, to live the life that he lived, to die the death that he died, and to be raised from the dead so that we could have life. And now in this life, we live between the advents. We live between the comings of Jesus. He is going to come again. He is coming as a king. Um, and he is going to set everything to rights, and we will uh, be joined with him, and there will be nothing to separate us. We will see him as he is. We will live life with him as he is for all eternity, uh, forevermore. And um, in between these advents, um, we Christians, we who are in Christ, we who have the Holy Spirit living in us, um, it's not that Jesus is only having something to do with his people twice in the history of the world. Jesus is always coming to us. He's always coming to his people. He is always bringing us. Um, he is transforming us. He is growing us in love. He's growing us in wisdom. He's, he's allowing us to see and experience and taste more of himself. And he is changing us constantly, making us in his image. And so what we are doing with this series, um, we've done the last few weeks and continue today with Mary, is we are looking uh, through the eyes of people who are um, experiencing Jesus' first coming to learn uh, and to say, Lord, what would you have for us here to help us receive Jesus and await his coming to us now in all the myriad of ways that he wants to come to us? And so today we're looking at um, Mary's life. And so uh, we just see in this passage grace, 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 suffering within grace and more grace, grace, grace. And so God sends Gabriel, uh, his angel, the only other person that we've ever seen in Scripture that Gabriel is sent to is Daniel. Um, and he sends his angel to this very average young girl, Mary. And, and he says, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And it's so interesting that she said, it says, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And I couldn't help it, but when I read that back to back like that, all I can think about is like a door-to-door -door sales scheme. It's like um, someone coming with, like, unbelievable news. Greetings, oh, favored one. Like, it's your lucky day. And you're just standing behind the door like, okay, this doesn't feel right. I know something's weird. I'm just trying to figure out what the angle is. But, like, greatly troubled, maybe a little nervous. Like, what's, what's going on here? 
Um, and, and so I'm <laughs> just thinking, like, Mary is uh, sitting there greatly troubled, trying to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel's like, man, what are you trying to discern? This is a deal of a lifetime. Let me in. Um, and, and so in that moment, Mary's like, I would imagine part of what is leading to her being greatly troubled is the same thing that would lead to any of us, I think, being greatly troubled at that, which is an angel of the Lord coming to me, telling me how favored I am. Um, either you either you don't know who I am, either you think I'm someone that I'm not, or uh, you know exactly who I am, and this is just really overhyped because there's no way this can be as good as you say it is. And so uh, another, another thought, too, is that the only other time this kind of greeting or this kind of word, this favored, is used in Scripture is uh, with Noah and Moses. And so if Mary knew that, then she would also be uh, very concerned for what is about to come. Because those two men were very highly favored by God, and their lives were full of suffering because of that status of being very highly favored. So uh, Mary, in one sense, I mean, we just have to, to pause and recognize that she was right. She was right to be greatly troubled. Because in a very real way, this greeting, this being favored by this uh, God in this way, is bringing her suffering. I mean, think about it. Even, even from the very outset, we talked about this a little bit last week with Joseph, but she was pregnant without being married. And no one else other than Joseph is getting these kind of dreams and visions and visitations. So for all anyone else knew, um, she was pregnant out of wedlock by the only normal means that that can happen. And so her reputation already is, is very low in the eyes of many people. Um, it's already put a lot of stress in her new family because we don't have any record of Joseph's parents receiving any kind of dream like this. And she's about to go have to live with Joseph's family, and so who knows what that was like. And then they're going to have to flee because someone's going to try to murder their child. And then to live, you know, with the uh, maybe the pressure of raising God, the Savior of the world, as a mother who is uh, a sinful person just like everybody else. And then when Jesus begins his ministry, um, he starts doing all kinds of stuff. He starts upsetting all kinds of old orders and uh, offending people left and right and doing wild and crazy things and attracting all kinds of crazy people. And just think about the blowback that she's getting from that and wondering what's going to happen today, what's going to happen next, what's Jesus going to do now, um, all the way to the very end, of course, which is uh, watching him suffer to death on a cross. And it's a criminal's cross. It was this, this way of dying that was uh, just deeply offensive um, and full of shame. And so Mary was right uh, in some respect to be very concerned uh, and to have anxiety about what is happening. Um, and, and in some ways, you know, where I want to go with this whole thing is um, we are not as unlike Mary as maybe we think at first glance because the same thing is happening in us. We are not bearing the Savior of the world physically um, but spiritually we do. That's what it is to be in Christ, is the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. The Spirit of Christ is dwelling in us. We are united to Christ forever. Um, and he is being birthed in us uh, and through us into this world in, in a matter of speaking. And we are being born again in him. And so all of this that's happening um, 
you know, there, there's a similar cost for us um, that to be in Christ, for him to be born in us, for us to be born in him is going to upset the status quo. It is not going to be comfortable. Um, it is going to involve suffering. And we stop and think, okay, well, how is that good? How is that favored? Because the status quo is not really as good as we like to pretend it is. Because the status quo is just a, a safe place. That's, that's not really that wonderful. I mean, look at, look at our world. There's plenty of beautiful things, and there's plenty of redeeming things happening. Uh, but there's a whole lot of mess and broken stuff, too. And look at our own lives and the stuff that we find to content ourselves with and to be numb out to. Um, it's not that satisfying. It's just something to do. We weren't made for this. We weren't made to live the way that things are now. And, and even deeper than all of this experiential stuff is this thing that uh, we all do experience in some form or fashion but don't necessarily appreciate the gravity of, which is this thing called sin, this relationship problem uh, where we are in active rebellion against the one who created us, the one who sustains us. I mean, to think about that, to think about that is what sin is. It, it is this thing that has gotten into the water. It's gotten into the blood of um, all of humanity from the very beginning, and we have decided we want to be our own God, and we are rebelling against God's order. We are stepping out from under his order and trying to be our own God, and we are rebelling against and actively fighting against um, our creator and sustainer. It's like someone being hundreds of feet um, under the water in the ocean and fighting against their breathing mask. It's that ridiculous, and it's that deadly. Um, and that is the position we find ourselves in. So it is um, actually a blessing, and it is going to involve suffering um, to get out from underneath this way of living. You know, and just look at the evidence of, of this in our own lives, the fact that we have this thing going on. Um, an easy way to think about it is, is look at the things that we continue to do, the thoughts we continue to think, the words we continue to say that we hate right? Like, I can't stop doing the things that I hate doing. Um, just yesterday, I was parenting, I'll use that in quotes, parenting one of our sons and uh, behaved in a way, handled a discipline issue with him in a way that um, I hate. I hate that in myself. I was not gentle with him. And it's like, man, that's not the first time I've realized that. I've realized it a lot. But there's this thing in me that is um, deeper. I can't control it. I can't fix it. It's beyond me. Um, I think about eating all of the desserts that are being passed around now, and it's like, I hate the way I feel when I eat all of those desserts. And I also can't stop, and I'm also doing it more. And it's like, there's whatever that is for us, it's like these things, these patterns, these ways of living um, that is one manifestation of this issue that we have that we desperately need free from. We, we are um, people who are in desperate need of a Savior. Um, and Paul in Galatians 5 says, hey, look, why would this not involve suffering? Why would Christ being born in us and in this world not involve suffering? Because here's what's true. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. They are opposed to one another. 
this, this person that I am, this way of being that I have lived in until Christ has come to me is actively opposed to the things of God. This world, the systems of this world under this fallen condition, under the influence and the power of the enemy, of the evil one, is, is actively opposed to the working of God, to the things that God loves, to the purposes of God, to his character, to his being, to his even being present is all actively opposed to him. And so it is going to cost, it is going to upset the apple cart, it is going to upset the status quo, it is going to involve suffering for him to birth something new in me and to birth something new in this world through us. And if you don't believe it, just listen to these men who had a lot of uh, great experience with this. Paul in Galatians 4 says, My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Barnabas and Paul together in Acts 14 say um, what they were doing with the people, they were encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. All this, all this opposition to Christ being formed in us, both from within my own flesh my own sinful desires, and from without, from a world who is pushing against this and saying, no, 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 we don't want him for a savior. We don't want him for a king. And John in Revelation 1.9 says, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. Because this is the part of the story that we find ourselves in. And so the angel could... Uh, Without being a sleazy door-to-door salesman, he could say with integrity, Mary, yes, this is going to involve suffering, but you are so highly favored. You are so loved by God because he is not leaving you alone. He is not leaving you. He's not leaving the world um, to the status quo. He is coming and he is doing something. And that word favored means approval or grace or peace or salvation. It's all of it. It's like, it's like running into... Uh, your embassy when you're in a foreign country and, and there's so much hostility just because you are who you are and you're from the country you're from. <laughs> it's like running into to Christ. It's what he is giving us in Christ is like running into that embassy where you can just take a deep breath and, and know that you are safe. Something better than the status quo is here. Something that is worth all the suffering Paul in Philippians 3, 8 says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them all as garbage in order that I may gain Christ. People who know, people who are thinking soberly um, speak like that. Me, when I am sober, (laughs) speak like that. And who is this Christ who is growing in Mary? Who is this Christ who is coming? Who is this Christ who is growing now in us? Well, listen to what Gabriel says and how he describes him. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. We mentioned that last week. Jesus is um, another take on the name uh, Joshua, which means um, Jehovah saves. It is God coming to save his people. He will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high, and the Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David. He will be son of God and son of man. He will be uh, fully God and fully man. He will be fully man because um, he will live a holy life, and it is his holy life that is necessary for his death to count for anything. And he will be fully God that death cannot hold him. 
Um, he will be raised from the dead to reign forever. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and have his kingdom. There will be no end. This good and holy and beautiful king who has conquered death, who has conquered sin, um, he is enough. And he is with us now and into all eternity. And he will shepherd us into eternity. He will shepherd us through all of the suffering that is necessary into eternity. That is who this Jesus is. And so um, there's more grace. So Mary says in verse 34, how will this be since I'm a virgin? She says, look at me and look at Joseph. <laughs> like if this baby's going to come through me, is there going to have to be a different father? Because look at him. Like is he going to birth the king of the universe? I don't think so. Um, she's asking these questions. How am I going to do this? How are we going to do this? And God, through Gabriel, gives Mary a very beautiful gift here that he gives all of us as well. Um, you can take your eyes off yourself. This is not about you. This is not about you having to figure out what to do to make this happen. What does he say? He says, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will do this. This is a work of God from beginning to end. It is It is. The Holy Spirit who will um, work to see Christ born in you and formed in you. And it is the Holy Spirit who will work to see uh, that come to completion. And it is such a gentle work. It is such a gentle work. The way that he describes this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Um, that is very gentle language. He is speaking to, I'm, I mean, think about that. She is probably 14 or 15 years old, and she's hearing that she will have a baby by the Holy Spirit of God. That's probably a little terrifying. And he is speaking so gently. No, no, no. He, he, will, he will overshadow you. And he, and he speaks this gentle word to us as well. The Lord knows who you are. The Lord knows that you are dust. He will do this work, and he will do this work uh, as gently as possible to do what is necessary. And so then the question is, what will I have to do? And this is good news. Just let it happen. Just receive and, and keep receiving. Um, in John 6, people asked Jesus, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And he answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. And to keep believing and to keep receiving is also called abiding or remaining. And Jesus also said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You don't have to go figure this out. You just receive me. You just receive me working in your life through the means that I'm choosing to, to use to work in your life. And you just trust me that this is going somewhere. You remain open to me. You listen to me. You engage with me. You are present with me. But as you being and receiving, you don't have to do anything in your own power. Everything that God requires, God supplies. Everything. And then he even gives her a, a, a deeper encouragement. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Like the one who, who everyone said will never be able to have babies. She is already six months into pregnancy because nothing is impossible with God. And it's just like a, a mic drop on God's power. 
Like the one who said it was impossible, she's too old, she's been barren her whole life. She is, you don't even know this, but she's six months pregnant right now. Like this will happen, and God will carry this through to completion because it's all in his power. And now I'm giving you another person to look at, and this is a beautiful promise to us too. You don't have to do this in a vacuum. There are going to be many times where we are following Christ, we are receiving him, we are trying to receive him, we are trying to believe, we are trying to follow him, um, and we're just thinking, man, is anything happening? And he says, you don't have to do this by yourself. I'm going to put people around you who are just as ridiculous and messed up as you are, and you're going to watch me be formed in them, and you're going to say, wow, that's impossible. We're like, yeah, and they're thinking that about you too. And you guys are going to watch each other be transformed and be matured and see this work that God is doing that no one else could do and say, this is real. This is happening. He is having his way. He is being formed in us. And again, that's, that is a plug for community. That is why this is so necessary. We cannot do this alone. And he knows that, so he gives us each other. A bunch of ridiculous people who are um, doing the impossible because Jesus is working in our midst. And nothing will be impossible with God. Life in me, life in you is now no longer impossible because of the work of God in Christ. And so we end here with this last verse, um, Mary's response. And it is a beautiful response. It is a, a model for us. She says to all of this, to all of the suffering, to all of this good news, to all of God's love, to all of his mysterious working that we cannot, we don't have a plan for, we don't know. We know in part, we know where all this is going, but we don't know the day-to-day twists and turns of how God is going to carry us through this life and what he's going to allow into our path. Even so, she says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. We are God's servants. We are dearly loved, but we are not his advisors. He is working in ways that are mysterious to us because he is higher than us, because his ways are higher than our ways. He is good. He is true. He is faithful. He is righteous. He is wise. We don't have the plan. That's, we got ourselves here. If I'm the problem, I can't also be the solution, and that's why I'm not going to understand all the ways that he's working in my life. And she says, let it be to me according to your word. Submission, trust, peace, rest, love, salvation. Uh, Peter says in 1 Peter 2.21, for to suffering you have been called. He's talking to the church. Everyone who is in Christ, to suffering you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so you might follow in his steps. Look at the only one who is ever perfect, who is ever holy, who is ever totally good, and look at how the world received him slash did not receive him. Know that as you are following him, as you're becoming more like him yourself, as he's being formed in you, you will endure suffering because that is what is necessary because of the way that these powers are opposed to one another. But he has left you an example that you might follow in his steps. To lead us home, to lead us to eternal life. And this is not on my timetable. This is not according to my plans. Um, some of y'all are, are contemplating going home for the holidays. And uh, you are walking into suffering. 
uh, because the kingdom of this world is very strong where you're going. Um, and, I mean, let's be honest, the kingdom of this world in you, like in your own flesh, and the way that you respond back to that is very strong. Um, but the one who is in you has overcome the evil one. <laughs> the one who is in you is stronger than the one who is in this world. And, and, and you just have to trust that he is working something beautiful in you even when you cannot see it because he loves you. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you, and no one can oppose him. No one is powerful enough to, to change or stay God's hand in the work that he is determined to do. And he has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will always finish the good work that I've started. And that is the promise that we can rest in this Advent season. Um, just like King Richard, that this plan may seem very unorthodox uh, in my own eyes or in the world's eyes, but uh, this is how we are saved. This is how he is coming to us. Um, and giving us the gift that we so desperately need. Father, um, Lord, we, we pause now and, uh, in the silence of this place, and we ask you to, um, to speak to us. We ask that you would allow us to be present to speak to you, um, Father, right now, would you remind us, would you allow us to see with fresh eyes the grace of you coming to us, the grace of you choosing us, the grace of you coming to make your home in us. as we think about our suffering, as we think about the ways in which um, how you call us to live is in opposition to how the world lives or even how we want to live. Would you allow us to see you in that very place as our king who is leading us to what is good was leading us to himself. Lord, we confess our pride. We confess our complaint, our entitlement, our um, foolish thinking, our making you in our image. Would you in your love and your power give us gospel sanity to, to not understand but to trust, to trust you and that you are working through whatever it is that we're experiencing and that you do love us very deeply 
and that no suffering you allow us to go through is ever surprised to you, and, and nor is it ever a waste. Would you teach us how to receive you? Would you teach us how to rest in you? Would it be our joy more and more to take our hands off the wheel and allow your will to be done in our lives? Jesus' name.